Today's guest on the pod is Chad Savage, an insanely talented commercial and portrait photographer out of Charleston, South Carolina. Chad has consistently jaw-dropping work, and he gets those dreamy canon tones that make me a little jealous inside. He and I first met in an online coaching group for photographers run by Kevin Titus, a photographer that Chad and I both look up to. I was thrilled to get to chat with Chad because I knew we could first dig into how he went from side hustling to full-time photography and then move into some super granular discussions of his camera gear and editing process. I hope you enjoy our talk. All right, guys, today on the show, I've got Chad Savage. I am pumped to have Chad on. He and I first met in an online photography education group that's run by Kevin Titus, Kevin Titus Photo, and I started seeing Chad's work on there, really loved it, became uh, friends on Facebook, and then I've just sort of been watching each other's photography journey and process and seeing each other's work. So once I figured out how to record these podcasts over Zoom, I was like, man, I got to call Chad and try to get him on the phone. So Chad, say hello and uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about a project that you're working on right now with your photography. Sure. Uh, hey, everyone. And thanks for having me, Brian. I really appreciate yeah. uh, your time and, uh, you know, getting to have a little chat with you today will be super cool. Um, yeah. So currently, I'm kind of working on a couple different projects for photo specifically, and then one that is going to kind of line up with uh, photo and in, in terms of what I'll be using a space for. Um, so a bigger project I'm working on right now uh, is uh, renovations for a studio space that I will be opening uh, pretty soon, uh, within a month or so. Ooh. Um, so yeah, really excited for that. It'll be, uh, you know, I'm going to try to rent that out to other photographers uh, who may need a space for certain shoots, uh, but it'll also, you know, be just a giant playground for me for sure <laughs> um so yeah really excited for that renovations are coming along and kind of like starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel on that now um so obviously that'll be working into a lot of like photo opportunities and, and projects down the road but just got to finish that up first in terms of the renovations um and then for actual projects for photography that i'm working on i will be doing a shoot for if you've ever heard of the wanderer in charleston no, I'll look it up. Um, it's like a, yeah, super cool place. It's new, like kind of like a working professionals area, if you will, and like hangout spot. So they have, the, it's kind of like, I think based and designed off of like it's out of Tulum or something. It's kind of got this like boho, you know, Ooh. tropical vibe. It's got a really cool, like nice pool. They do workouts there. They have a couple restaurants that, you know, people come in and out for, for like, you know, coffee and work in the mornings and they have big events. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, the spot in Charleston, if you will, or that's what they're, you know, kind of like building into and that they haven't even been open for a year yet. I don't think, but I'm going to be doing a fitness shoot for them. Nice. Um, and yoga and like kind of this, this whole encompassing fitness thing that they have. So I'm really excited for that shoot. Uh, I think it'll, it'll be a good, uh, good place to have, uh, on the resume. Um, and I'm working on some branding stuff for a drummer that I just shot Ooh. with, uh, actually in the middle of the, 
uh, studio half renovated. So okay. it was kind of cool. Y'all did it in there? <laughs> Just went for it? We did. Yeah, we wanted like more of a grungy, moody kind of almost film grainy look too yeah. and i had still had uh you know like the wood veneer walls up and it, it just looks i mean it's a really old building that needed a lot of work so yeah. the portions that i hadn't worked on yet kind of were perfect for the for the shoot it just like i couldn't have like asked for a better location it was just so <laughs> so perfect the way it fell into place Man, that's great. Um, I think a great way to help side hustling photographers and something that I always kind of wonder about, Chad, is like, how did you get this sweet gig with Wanderer? I mean, as you're describing it to me, I'm like, and I think maybe we all do this as photographers. It's like, man, that sounds amazing. You know, how in the world did he get something like that? Can you, you know, at a sort of a high level, but just kind of share with us like how you ended up getting a project like that? I think sometimes we tell ourselves that's impossible or that was pure luck. It'll never happen to me, but, um, just tell us a little bit about how you got that one. Sure. So I think honestly with anything in life, if you want it and you kind of, you know, take the time to go after it and you want it, you'll learn it is kind of my philosophy. Yeah. Then you'll figure out a way to get to wherever it is that you're trying to get, you know, whether that's on a personal journey or a business journey or photography or otherwise, you know, it's really just about like figuring out what works for you in general. So like emailing around might be pretty helpful, but I didn't, you know, I didn't figure a lot of those kind of cold emails work for me. So I kind of got to a point where I started and I, I have a lot of failed and (laughs) rejected stories on this too. So before I just let me preface that, Um, but I just started kind of, you know, look on Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook or ride around on location scouting and find places of interest to me. Yeah. That also went in line with what I wanted to photograph. So like, you know, I like fitness. I played soccer my yeah. whole life and played in college. Um, so uh, it's, it's very important and part of my life still. And I was kind of wanting to do something a little more involved with fitness and, you know, needed some, uh, I've done a few fitness shoots, but needed like a little bit more for the portfolio so I could send some, some better stuff to the agencies um, and try to get some jobs that way. So I saw the wander and I knew I had a teammate that uh, uh, does, he's one of the trainers there. Yeah. So I eventually reached out to him and it was just kind of like a light switch. I was like, Oh, you know, this place is perfect. They're probably a little slow because it's, you know, January, February time. It's cold. Not a lot of people working out. They probably have a lot more time to kind of give to this. Yeah. So I think it's finding what kind of interests you and a way to photograph it and finding the people that are important or that can get you into those sort of things. So for example, you know, if you want to work with, a specific agency because they have, you know, whatever a, a mm-hmm. automotive company that you want to work for, then you need to find, you know, whatever agency that automotive company hires and then find the person in that agency, you know, that you can yeah. show your work to or impress. And that way you can get a foot in the door or just look at like, you know, a lot of people I'm very fortunate. Like I said, my teammate had, uh, he does a lot of the fitness stuff at the Wanderer. So I kind of had a little bit of an end there to talk to him, to talk to other people. Um, but if your work is solid and you look at like who, you know, is around you that, you know, might know somebody like use your resources, your friends yes. are definitely going to help you. Mm-hmm. And I've had the biggest shoots that I've had actually, you know, I think the two largest shoots I've had have been because I, you know, I, 
talked with friends and yeah. asked them kind of like what was going on in their workplace or if they had anybody who, you know, might want to work together. So use your resources. Your friends are, are your friends for a reason. They want to help you and see you succeed. And a lot of times it's like the people that are right under your nose that, you know, have a lot more interesting things going on and a lot, you know, a lot more that they can work on with you than you realize because you see them every day. You know totally. what I mean? It's like a, they yeah. see your photos. So, right. Exactly. Before you went full time with your photographer, did you view yourself as more of an artist or more of a business person? And I guess maybe share like what uh, or what influenced you being one or the other, because like what you described on that first part of getting the wanderer is just savvy business. It's smart. Like you knew that you needed to talk to people. And I think I guess what I see sometimes is people make great pictures but they are waiting to be found or discovered or offered a job or a position. And you, you took the opposite tack. You were like, I'm going to go after this because I want it. So how, what, what was your makeup sort of internally before you went to full-time commercial photography in your mind in terms of artist versus salesperson or business person? Sure. Um, so this is, uh, it's actually kind of a strange concept in yeah. my mind. I, I honestly, when people, I literally just had this conversation in terms of photography as an art, uh, for myself at least, yeah, like not even a month ago uh, with yeah. a friend of mine. And I'm, I don't even really know if I consider myself an artist. Obviously, photography is a form of art. Um, and, you know, being able to take the photo, edit it, and et cetera, like all of the things are, are an art. Yeah. And I understand that, but I still don't know if I'd necessarily consider myself an artist. And I don't know if that's just the context and that, or the, you know, the way that I just kind of view artists, if you will, in my head, but I also don't know if I'd necessarily consider myself a business person. (laughs) So it's very strange. Uh, I hated business my entire life. I was like, I mean, mean, I'd studied biology in undergrad and I was like, I've never, you know, I could never understand how to run a business. I remember like specifically saying that because I avoided business classes and here I am. Uh, But I think that I would honestly, in terms of what I would consider myself as more, I would probably say more of the artist side, I guess, just because I love taking photos. I mean, it doesn't matter what it's for. Like I just enjoy it so much. Yep. Um, And I think that I I have more skill there than I do with the business side. But I think the business side is more like, you got to run into a wall with your eyes closed sometimes and just like keep doing it until you break through. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, you know, there's, you just got to learn so much and there's, and there's like no one, you know, can really teach you a lot of things in business that you can learn in like, that you're going to learn in like a a school setting because a lot of it is like so niched down specifically photography. Like, you know, how do you teach somebody something like that in business school? You can teach them the basics of running a business. Sure. But I mean, you know, really you can learn that stuff on your own and like the real nitty gritty part of learning the business aspect just comes with experience, like trial and error. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I guess I would consider myself more of the artist. I definitely considered it that whenever, before I was full time, um, And I think, you know, whenever you're doing the business side of things, obviously your work needs to be good, but Mm -hmm. you can have 
average worth and be mm-hmm. a phenomenal business person yep. and be incredibly successful. Yep. You cannot have it the other way around. Yep. You cannot have amazing work and be, you know, poor on that side of, of things in the business side and have no clue what you're doing and, and continue down that road of having no clue what you're doing and, and be successful. You just have to keep trying and learning or ask somebody for help who has been there so you can learn. And that way you can build up the part that's going to allow you to do it as a, as a full-time job. Man, such a good point. I think people hold themselves back sometimes because they're like, I'm waiting till I'm an excellent, mm-hmm. amazing photographer. Agreed. You know, I've got to be an eight yeah. out of 10. And it's like, once you're to a certain level of skill, with your photography, you know, six and a half, seven on a scale of one to 10, something like that. Mm-hmm. It becomes all about the business. And then you'll actually grow in your talent as a photographer the more you start shooting. I mean, when you start shooting on a more and more yeah. regular basis. So I think that's a great point yeah. you made there. I want to come back to before or like come back to your journey into full time photography. But let's mm-hmm. pause on that and do some goofy, sure. fast lightning round questions. <laughs> I want to flesh out who Chad Savage is as a person. So um, just give me a quick little answer to some of these goofy questions here. All right. You ready? For sure. Sounds good. Ready. Chad, name a Netflix show that you have loved or binge watched recently. Ozarks. Ozark. You did it. You're doing it. So good. I'm actually, (laughs) I have uh, like one or two episodes left in the last season. I had a, I haven't been able to watch any uh, any of it really in the last couple of days, but I'm yes. finishing it up this week for sure. It's oh, so good. <laughs> that one is popular. I'm still in season one. I can't quite get out of it. I'm slow with, I don't really binge watch, and I'm really slow about the yeah. series. But yeah, it's intense. What's a song you can't help but dance to? Or what are some of your pump-up jams? Uh, don't Stop Me Now by Queen. That is, is classic. Don't Stop Me Now by Queen? All right. Oh, yeah. All right, I got to pull that one up. I can't place that one right away. Oh, yeah. I did a uh, lip sync competition to that a oh, couple gosh. years ago at a bar, and it was it was, it was was a great time. I think there's YouTube footage out there somewhere of that, man. Oh, I have the full video. Oh, it's heck. quite embarrassing in the best way. Let's put that in the show notes. No. Yeah. Um, if you could time travel, which era or decade would you want to visit? Ooh, um, that's a hard one. Probably, right. like, the... 80s 80s yeah probably somewhere in the like late 70s 80s because the music was good and the cars were cool so yes such a good answer along those same lines what's a concert that you've been to oh man so many i (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to name name Uh, a fave my my favorite show i've ever seen was at bonnaroo the music festival in tennessee it was as the most incredible show i've ever seen in my life all right I think your work first caught my eye because there are a lot of cars mm-hmm. and retro motorcycles and just, mm-hmm. man, just that vintage vibe like you're talking about. So last, yeah. the last rapid fire question here, when you're rich and successful and money is no object, what vehicle are you getting, Chad? What vehicle? Oh, uh, well, just had this conversation with a friend. All right. Too. Um, <laughs> probably uh, my dream car is a 65 Matt Black Mustang. All right. Or a 66 Porsche 911. Ooh. Either of those two. Man, specific. I'm, I'm solid. You got to nail down. <laughs> Do you have a savings fund already for those started or what? Oh, yeah. It's got about three bucks in it. <laughs> <laughs> well on our way. Oh, man. All right. So, Chad, take us back to what you were doing before you started to pursue photography full time. 
what was kind of the light bulb moment for you of like, man, I wonder if I could go and do this and tell us a little bit about your path out of traditional employment into making money full time with your camera. So I started off, uh, like I said, I studied undergrad uh, biology and undergrad. Um, and I graduated was working for between the summers. I was working for Budweiser and I was, um, like just throwing beer all around and it was basically sure. like like delivering quick, or you know uh yeah and like breaking down pallets and stuff like that and filling in cold boxes a lot of that kind of just like labor stuff yeah. with with the, the beer industry um so i was basically doing that to keep in shape while i was making money in the summer uh going you know because i was playing soccer at school and I just didn't really know what to study. So I was like, I'll just do biology. I was going to get into nursing. I thought it was kind of fascinating. But mm-hmm. like any 18-year-old kid going into college, you really have no, no idea. grasp on life or what you really want to do or what you like. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, nurses only have to work three days a week and they can see cool stuff. All right. <laughs> Little did I know it is not as glorious as you think it is, right? as it might be. <laughs> Um, so anyways, graduated, I worked for Budweiser right after I graduated. I pretty much came straight home and worked like the next day. And so I pretty much got a job at MUSC, which is a really, it's like the biggest hospital in South Carolina, uh, in Charleston. So I got a job there like a couple weeks in and pretty much went straight from Budweiser there Okay. and worked there for four and a half years. And then... I just, I hated it to be completely mm-hmm. honest yeah. ever. Like I just really was like not enjoying any specific part of the work. I really wasn't interested in it. I was the first in-depth experience I got to see of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that like rubbed me the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I knew it wasn't for me is what I'm getting at. And so I was in the neuro ICU. So I was in a very, uh, you know, like sad Sure. place you know yeah the outlook on these patients were very very grim yeah um you know so it was just not a good place to be in especially when you don't enjoy your job and to be a nurse i already had an like an, an insane level of respect for these people but you mm-hmm. seeing that in action for the amount of time that i did i I gained so much more respect than I ever thought I could. And I already like thought these people that, you know, a strong willpower and an amazing skill set. Yeah. But you really have to be born for that job. You have to love it. And, you know, I knew, especially because I did not, that that would make me an exceptionally bad nurse. And I was like, that's not good. I'm taking care of people's loved ones. Yeah. So, I found photography a little bit, but kind of randomly in the, in the middle of working there and sort of, you know, got my foot in the door uh, with learning around other photographers and helping out with shoots and stuff. And then what just bought a camera. You, what age were you roughly at that time? Like when you started to find the camera? Yeah. I think I, so at 25, okay. um, I got my first camera literally like a month before my like 25th birthday. Okay. So, yeah, I just started shooting. I never really had any photography experience. My friend of mine from college, uh, she used myself and my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, her and my friend were really good friends as well. And so she used us for her portfolio. She's a wedding photographer. Yeah. So she was starting to get in it. It's photography. And I found myself kind of like, you know, setting up shots and was like, oh, this is interesting. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that went down that path finally bought a camera and 
jumped into something else because I was you know, not enjoying life. That you know, yeah. I didn't enjoy my job. I didn't have anything else. I graduated from undergrad, so I no longer had collegiate soccer, and soccer mm-hmm. was like the most important thing in my life up until that point. So I didn't have anything really anymore. It felt like yeah, I started taking photos, and you know, somebody asked me if I charged one day. <laughs> I was like, right, yeah, I guess. <laughs> How long after you started shooting was that? how long until you went full time? So kind of give us that timeline. Yeah. So it was, uh, actually the first shoot I did was 2018. It was on Halloween. Uh, so I like have a very specific date. What'd you make? Tell tell us the project. How much? Uh, Oh no, that was like the first time I ever shot. Like like a person, like portraits or anything. I shot my, with my friends. So the first shoot shoot I had, yeah, yeah. The first paid shoot I had was maybe, six months or so later um so not i don't know i guess uh this is kind of a subjective you know thing but i not too long from the first time i ever shot uh i agree i don't know you know some people probably earn money you know quicker than that i don't know yeah but um and you know wasn't anything big and probably like 60 bucks for a couple shoot um and that's kind of how i started charging as i got into couples because okay. at the time, I think, and I say this just as a side note for anybody beginning yeah. or in that beginning stage, shoot everything. Yeah. And even if you don't think you're interested in it, you might be. And yeah. it's better to shoot something and know what you don't like mm-hmm. than it is to try and figure out what you like. Yes. Because if you narrow, if you knock out things that you're like, okay, I hated that couple shoot or I hated doing that you know, product shoot or whatever, then now, you know, you don't like those things. So you don't have to pick up that kind of work or focus on it. Um, so a lot of my stuff was couples in the beginning, uh, because it was, it was fun shooting couples and friends and portraits. And it, you know, there's a lot of couples available. Sure. Sweet. So you got the, you started getting your first couple gigs, it's couples. What was the path from there to like, okay, I'm making decent money. Like I'm making money that I could make with a college education, but with my camera, with YouTube skills, is this a goofy dream of mine to go and and make a living with my camera or, Hey, this starts to look realistic. What was that process like for you? And when did it hit you that like, man, this could be real that you would go full time. So I actually, ironically enough during that set, you know, when I was, you know, at Bonnaroo for that, yeah. Odessa said that was the first festival I'd been to. It was like this crazy experience. I was with my like two really good friends. Um, yeah. and they have helped me, Andrew Davis and Holly Knapp. Um, cool. they're a couple. They're basically like they just the two greatest human beings I've ever encountered in my life. And they've That's helped awesome. me so much on my photography journey. Um, so this is a cool experience to be able to share. I turned around. This was just under a year of shooting or maybe a little bit over a year, uh, about a, you know, somewhere in that time span. And yep. I turned around to them and just like, yeah, during this set was like, okay, just had an epiphany. I need to try and go full-time photography. I need to do it. God. And I went home the next week after that weekend, got home, you know, that next weekend st- like made my website. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like a cool epiphany and it was cool that it was with like two of my, my two best friends, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, had you made some? That was about. It. Had you made some Sorry. revenue? Had you made some revenue prior to that, to where you're like, okay, this is mm-hmm. actually a viable source yeah. of income. Yes, so it was on my mind for a while at okay. that point, and it was like this was right before you know before COVID and all that. Sure. This is like, like 
coming into like summer of 2019 or yeah. so. So it was a little more of a viable option at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like obviously, yep, we didn't totally. see what that was going to happen. Yeah, there wasn't the a next, pandemic. Like six months. Right. So uh, I had made, you know, at that point, well, looking back, it's all relative too. At that point, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could do this. I have to charge more and blah, blah. I'm kind of glad that I did not start at that point or sooner. Yeah. Uh, it took another about year, year and a half of doing it part time with my you know, job at the hospital. Okay. Um, but I was like slowly picking up steam, getting more commercial jobs, which is what I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I knew I'd have, you know, different types of shoots. I didn't like the whole like wedding photography yep. stuff. I'll still do it. And it's still mm-hmm. fun. And if I could only do that and be a photographer full time, I would do it happily. But yes. it's just, you know, it, it, I like shooting other things a little more. Sure. So I got more commercial stuff and then whatever, a year, year and a half later, uh, I, went full time. Um, so that would have been January of, um, 2021 is on, you know, on paper, like officially the first date that I went full time, but I left my job at MUSC in November of 2020. Okay. Uh, so I had like a couple months gap of just like, you know, trying to get the business sorted together, you know, so I could be like starting with the full head of steam going into the new year full time. For sure. What was your sales approach right out of the gate? I mean, you're in the middle of a pandemic where you were one year in at that point. Were you just like emailing people, calling people? Were you going to coffees? Oh, yeah. Lots of emails. Okay. Yep. <laughs> lots of cold emails, lots of calling. I remember I made a list of, I don't know, like 55 or some mm-hmm. around there, different companies. I just kind of looked up in the area. Yeah. Everything from bars to sailing companies to clothing companies i just looked up anything that had any sort of interest or looked cool and then i would kind of like gauge their website and their social media Mm -hmm. and see if they looked like they had a photographer needed some updated images and just called or emailed them Um, and a lot of those cold emails and cold calls don't pan out but you know it's moving in some direction is still moving so it's good what's a what was one that you got that you're like yes, this is huge. Like kind of a, uh, just someone you were pursuing prospecting for customers is extremely rejection dense. So it's just mostly apathy, no response, no response, no response. That's what I get all day long is no response. Like when did you Mm -hmm. finally hook one and who was it if you're willing to share? And like, what did that feel like to you? Yeah. So I'll say the, when I went into January, at the time I, you know, this was maybe like four days into January. I kind of just, again, using your resources, making good connections. And before I kind of start into this story, yeah. no matter who you encounter at any point, it, they're going to remember how you treat them and they're going right. to remember how you make them feel. So mm. any of these relationships you build going into your photography career, anything that's linked to your business, or your photography, the way you like handle your clients and treat people is going to be incredibly important down the road. You never know how these people are going to be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. send a referral to you or something later. So I had worked with, for that, you know, Budweiser for that company, I sent them some mock-up photos for, uh, to try and do some commercial work, like a year prior to the, um, to going full time. Okay. And so one of the like you know ladies that I had sent an email to or whatever there uh, and spoke with briefly, 
she ended up sending her dad, her dad and her uh, dad's partner own like a golf travel company. And she sent them my way in the beginning of January. And that was at that time by far the biggest shoot I had ever had. Sure. Also in the middle of January, four days into being full time. So <laughs> a huge opportunity, was, uh, huge opportunity across yeah. the plate. Yeah. Right. So I think that like a lot of the, a lot of the places I have kind of gone after, if you will, and had a target on haven't really panned out. I don't think any yeah. of those calls or emails panned out into anything. Yeah. Maybe something down the road they will, and they'll have that seed of what in their head of like, oh, this guy emailed me. I like his work. But it's more of like the fact that I had a good conversation with Katie, who's the girl's name that yeah. works at for the Budweiser company that I was mm-hmm. working with and sent her dad to me. I'd like treated her with respect. I was kind to her. She had a good, you know, every time we emailed or talked or whatever, you know, she enjoyed having a conversation with me. So she you know, wanted to send her dad my way and sure. often he liked the photos and then they hired me. So I think it's more important of like doing the work, if you will, or mm-hmm. that you're like not really sure is going to pan out on anything. Like a shoe could be, you know, you need to go into every shoe with, you know, like just pure focus and also making sure everybody feels good and comfortable around you. Cause those can lead to yeah. other shoes. And I, I kind of like that next month spoke to another, it's kind of like a friend. He's a friend now, but at the time he was kind of like a friend of a friend. Uh, and he works for uh, an apparel company, vapor apparel. Sure. I'm still shooting for them. That was literally February. Nice. So the very next month. And that was, you know, very like good. three times the amount of the shoot that I had previous to that. So that one was Amazing. a little more. I kind of went after, I kind of knew we I had talks with them before and, uh, with Bryce is his name and kind of like talked with him a little bit more and sort of poked that bear a little bit. Yeah. And he eventually talked to them and then we did a huge shoot for their spring line. So awesome. it was like three full, you know, e days and like they sent us out on the boat for like a lifestyle day. So that one I kind of went after and that was probably the big turning point. Man. So intrigued by this to a prior point, you know, I think we get business because people do business with those that they know and like and trust. And so, Oh yes, Like your, Bud, the, the Budweiser connection that then was into the golf connection, like your photos, I'm sure were good. They were there, like they were commercially viable images. But at that point you had a relationship with her and then she then trusted you enough to share you with her dad or whoever it was and kind of get you that, get you that job. And then that was able to be parlayed into a bigger job in February my question is, man, like, were you nervous before the February shoot? Do you get nervous? Where's, oh, your, where's yeah. your Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm full disclosure. A lot of nerves. Yeah, so I, I definitely get nervous. It's, it's. I mean, I, I think I'm always, I think you're just high anxiety yeah. kind of person That's in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I don't know, maybe like performance anxiety more mm-hmm. specifically. I feel like I'm, while I'm high anxiety on those sorts of things, I'm also very laid back. I mean, chill. I think it's just whenever I want something specifically to go well i put a lot of pressure on it and obviously that thing being those shoots but i, I kind of go into it with a way of like going i'm pretty nervous every shoot i go yeah. into honestly i'm mm-hmm. very nervous because it's like it's important it you know yes. not only to me but to those people whether that's for their company or if it's a couple shoot or something you know that's like very important to them it's we see photos every day but they don't it's huge so, for them. yeah and right 
So I go in pretty nervous to everything. Um, it's obvious, it's kind of obviously over experience and time died down a little bit, especially on easier things like a headshot session. Yep. Um, yep. but it kind of quickly goes away. If you just mm -hmm. focus on the client, don't feel like you're, you're going to be nervous, you know, you're, yep. whether it's because it's a big shoot or because it's like a client you wanted really badly or, or there's, you know, whatever you're going to be nervous, but it's not about you just focus on the client and then you'll forget about your nerves. I just try to focus on like making them laugh, making yeah. them have a good time, breaking yep. that barrier. And, and once they're comfortable, you've already forgot about your anxiety and your nerves. So you're just shooting at that point and trying to make them comfortable. And that works not only for you forgetting your nerves, but also breaking down their walls so they can be more comfortable and genuine in front of your camera. Yes. Man, I've had kind of a similar experience of trying to handle that anxiety. I'm right there with you with the high anxiety mm -hmm. before shoots. And I think as I started to get slightly bigger jobs, I would I would be self-focused of like, okay, I'm the director, I'm the shooter, I've got to find the light. Yeah. I've got to get these shots like I they they're going to pay me. I have I'm on I'm on the hook for this or whatever. And that can sometimes serve to make me more nervous. So, similar to your point, I have tried to totally switch that mindset. And on every photo shoot, go in, and for me, with one word of serve, like serve, just yeah. serve. Mm -hmm. You're, I'm, a, I'm decent with the camera. I study the craft. I watch a lot of YouTube. I practice. I get loads of reps. So know, knowing that our skills are there, our skills are at a certain level, go in and serve and try to help launch that brand or that entrepreneur or that business to their next level because you got them great images and then you've got that collaborative oh, effect yeah. going on instead of like where we're on the stage, so to speak, as a photographer to like work our magic. It's all of a sudden it's a collaborative project. That's helped me kind of right. quell that anxiety a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. You know, it, the best work comes when both parties are, you know, invested and interested in having a good time. Yes. Man, I feel like we could talk about the business aspect forever, and I, I do want to come back at some <laughs> point and discuss more of this. Give us a quick summary um, of just where your where your business is now in terms of like how comfortable are you with your revenue right now, and where do you want to be? And close us out on that because then I want to get into your gear and into editing and just, just some mm -hmm. photography nerdery. But wrap it sure. up, kind of, um, kind of give us a summary of like where you are as a business and where you want to go. Yeah, so I definitely think that I want more, you know, as everyone does, yeah. and that's just kind of human nature. Um, but there's, you know, bigger things that I want in life. Like I want to be able to buy a house eventually and sure. a nicer car and do all those things and whatever. So I'm obviously doing a lot of renovations and stuff like I mentioned at the yeah. moment. So that's yeah. heavy and, you know, it costs a lot. So I think I'm doing, you know, fairly well for what I, you know, would have expected when I was incredibly nervous to go full time forever ago, <laughs> or yeah. what seems like forever ago. But I'm definitely trying to get um, more bigger clients and trying to just kind of shoot more specifically what I need and or what I want rather yeah. than just like needing to grab random shoots. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good. And it's got a lot like a good outlook, especially with the studio on the way, I think that'll get a lot of cool traction and open up a lot of opportunities and, and fun stuff. But like every person, uh, you know, just trying to grow is is always the goal. So but you're feeling yeah. solid and secure and feeling solid. feeling good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm confident that you know, and honestly, let me preface yeah. that with 
no matter what you do, if you're, you know, if you're going into photography full time or even just a little bit, it's not going to work out unless you are, you know, confident in yourself and unless you like believe it well. If you believe it won't, then of course it won't. Yeah. Um, so you, you just got to have, you just got to trust the process, if you will. And I think I kind of almost hate that saying, but yeah. <laughs> you kind of yeah. just got to yep. trust it sometimes. I think the way you described it, how it's grown for you is very similar to what I saw for myself. And I, you know, I hope that comes through to the listeners, which is that there's not one specific thing that if you do it, it will guarantee your business success. And there's not one guaranteed way to get that posh customer that you've been after. It's a amalgamation of just like a bunch of different crud. You were emailing, you were talking to people, Mm -hmm. going to coffee, working on your skills. And eventually you get a job where you feel like from, at least for me, you feel like you're having to sell yourself long a little bit. You're like, uh Oh, I'm nervous. I hope I can produce on this, but then you do it and your confidence grows a little bit and then you get that next one. And the path you described was like exactly like that. So, Oh yeah. All right, man, to the gear. So you're on the Canon R5. Just talk us through your, your specific camera journey, how you landed on that. Have you tried Nikon, Sony, Fuji? What led you to Canon? What do you love about it? Talk about your lenses. Give us all that. So I actually started off with a Fuji. Um, it was okay. like an XT100 or something like that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I love Fuji. I think they're good. I think their color is phenomenal. Um, yeah. I had kind of uh, this like I didn't really exactly know what I was you know looking at when I first started. Obviously, yeah. really as much. Um, but I, I was like, you know, this Fuji seems really nice. It's, it was a mirrorless. It was really small. And at that time, I just wanted something like just pull out and grab some cool shots with. Yeah. I had a 50 mil for that. And it okay. was a crop sensor. So yes. um, I think it was, I can't even remember what the actual length was. But sure. it measured out about 50 mil when it was cropped. And so I started with like pretty much had prime lenses for the first like two years. I had a 50 mil and then I eventually got a 35. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going over to Canon maybe about a year in. And that was, I got the, the R, the mirrorless. Yeah. The USR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I, that I have the R and the R five now. Um, yeah. But at the time, I was like, oh, I kind of want to upgrade, and the R was like really expensive. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to get in a Canon system because I really like their glass. I think their glass okay. is amazing. I don't know what their engineers are doing, but yeah. they do it well. Uh, so the lenses were luring like, you. Oh yeah, big time. They're very expensive, but I'd rather save up and get one thing that I know I'm really gonna like than you know just kind of sit around and wish I would have had that one thing ha- anyways. <laughs> has your quest or desire for lenses? reduced at all has it have, have you been able yeah. to quell that impulse to buy more yeah glass? i still have a couple more lenses that i would like to have okay um i'd like to have the new 100 millimeter macro i mm. think it would just be cool and fun to shoot with but that's not a necessity <laughs> i'd also <laughs> like <a> necessity. <laughs> um <laughs> i guess that's subjective but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> um, i hear you i hear you yeah, I think that would be a sweet one to have. It's kind of expensive, though. And I would like a 24 to 70. Yeah. Um, but I have a 35, a 15 to 35, and a 70 to 200. And those, like, I, I don't really need, you know, that I yeah. can absolutely suffice with that. I don't need to spend another couple yeah. grand on a 
you know, 2470. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, pretty much you don't like got my cannon because it's some whatever like i don't know if it was like a holiday sale or something but they had like 10 percent off or whatever mm-hmm. for cannons uh stuff so it kind of it came you know whenever you're spending like 1500 dollars on a body that's you know that's a lot of money it's 150 yeah. bucks so so i ended up just pulling the trigger sooner than i wanted to uh to get a new camera system and jump into the cannon mm-hmm. uh, but honestly i'm kind of glad that i did uh, cause I would have held on to that Fuji for a lot longer. And I sure. think that like, it was a great camera, but that would have been a little bit more like limited, um, just in terms of like the way my life felt. Like I borrowed a lot of Canon stuff from my, uh, friends when I didn't have anything but the body and one lens. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I see the Canon as a little bit more respected as I hate to say professional, but you were that mm-hmm. first Fuji that you had is maybe a little limited in terms of the types of shoots that you can do. What's your mindset as far as like ISO? Do you shoot in aperture mode? What mode do you like to be in? How are you assessed before you walk out onto a shoot or right as you show up to start shooting? What's kind of the mindset that you go through or the process you go through for getting set up to put yourself in a position to get great shots? So I guess it depends on a couple things. One, obviously what the shoot is. Is it going to be low light? Is it going to be harsh lighting, you know, what sort is it an athletic shoot? Is it an automotive shoot? Is it just portraits? So that kind of gets you an idea of like what your settings are going to be like anyways, if it's a low uh, light shoot, but I don't want to use a strobe, um, I'll use my 35 and it's like a 1.4. I try not to shoot lower than F4 a lot now, but, um, yeah, and I can get into that in a little bit if you'd like, but yeah, we will. Um, yeah, you know, if it's a low light shoot, then I use my 35 almost exclusively if I need to have, you know, that wider aperture. Yeah. Um, I try not to shoot with the high ISO. I, which is weird. I love grain. I add a little, yeah, I add grain totally. to a lot of my photos and I love that film look, but I don't like noise at all. Noise is just too mushy for me, uh, which nobody yeah. does like noise, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd rather... It still has a little bit of that grain effect, but I still try to just keep it at grain and be as the lowest amount of noise as I can get. Are you trying to stay under ISO 2000 or 3000? What does it relate to? Yes, on your- honestly, I try to stay under 800. Okay, um, great. Jeez. 1250 mm-hmm. is like, Yep. I don't really like going over that or 1600. That's kind of sure. like my cap. And like, I've dealt do like 2000, 3200, but yeah. I just feel like, you know, and I know like the cameras nowadays are, so good that they like you can shoot at a way higher iso and they'll look good but like i still don't like it. i don't know i think yeah. it just like degrades them too much and i'd rather figure out a way to get a cleaner image than yeah. rely on just like bumping my iso up agree so i guess it just depends on how you you know what you're shooting how i kind of go into it but and what lenses i choose you said you're a fan uh in text you were telling me you're a fan of your 70 to 200 uh i'm assuming it's because of the compression mm-hmm and the background mm-hmm. blur or bokeh that you can get, but why do you love that lens? So yeah, the compression's great. Um, and I think when I do a lot of my automotive stuff, yeah, compression looks phenomenal on, on automotive uh, shoots. Mm. I don't, it just kind of makes the car look a little bit like more robust in the mm. whatever scene you're in. Um, and it kind of, kind of helps them like, I don't know, take a stage in like a more demanding sense. I don't really know how to like yeah. articulate it, but 
it looks good. Try it out if you if you have the opportunity. And is that <laughs> is that because you're standing super far away and then you're punched into one thirty five or two hundred or is yeah. it just the nature? So okay. yeah, I think it's yeah. I'll stand farther away and kind of punch in. And so like if you're on a you know shooting a jeep on like I'm Colorado mountainside, the yeah. mountains just look like they're just they're compressed in a way that's like it makes mm. it like feel more of the scene and it makes it look like the car is like surrounded in it, but it's still obviously blown up itself and just looks like it fills more of the scene for me. And yeah. obviously you kind of do that with portraits and stuff too, but you can only go so far with a portrait without it, you know, you having just like blowing their head up too big or using sure. too wide of an angle uh, lens and yeah. you know, their heads like skinny. I don't know. Yep. The, the distortion can be a little more problematic on portraits, maybe not as much with compression, like a 7200 as it is with like a fisheye lens, but yeah. Um, and then what do you do once you have your images on the camera? I'm guessing you're probably shooting in raw. What's sort of your approach Mm -hmm. once you're back into Lightroom? I think your tones and color are phenomenal. (laughs) I was just showing my wife, (laughs) showing my wife, your Instagram feed this morning. I'm like, God, I love all of these, these dreamy tones. (laughs) But like, how, how did you kind of develop that? What is your, you know, what, just what's your style and your own description and how did you develop that? Yeah. Um, so I guess from beginning to end, once I get back from a shoot, I'll offload everything. I usually edit on an external drive. Okay. Um, offload everything. Again, this is dependent on what the shoot is. If it's like a passion product or if it's just yeah. like, you know, just a regular, like a headshot session, just a regular yeah. shoot. But I'll go through and I kind of cull through the images. Again, if it's more of like a passion project, then I just sort of like, have fun with it and mess around with different croppings and like, mm-hmm. you know, crop in really hard and f- just like find images within images. Cause I'm just enjoying it. But mm-hmm. if it's something more straightforward, I just kind of go through, find the images that seem the best, select those. And then once I have those cold down, I usually take it through one more round yeah. uh, where I take out images that are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if it's, the portrait like a portrait somebody's head is turned one way or the other and i'm like okay cool those are the same thing basically i'm just this one's better yeah um, the slight variation where you're really right. scrutinizing the eyeballs or you're scrutinizing the yes. light or the whatever right yeah so i've been trying to get better at that because my process with culling is so difficult for me mm-hmm. I, it's so hard for me to like narrow stuff down very yes. decisive in that manner yep same here <laughs> uh, i feel like every photographer they are is, but, <laughs> like, uh, yeah when the light is I when the lighting is good that. when the lighting is good you just want to share all the photos even I when know, there's just right like <laughs> micro differences in them but you're like but look at it <laughs> like their eyes are slightly closed it's a different feeling it's <laughs> <laughs> a feeling so, um, all right. So, and then are you adjusting, I don't know, curves, shadows, highlights? Yeah, so yeah. I usually, I have like a handful of presets that I made, you know, yeah. that I started like from the ground up that I, whenever I, you know, kind of was getting into more of the detailed stuff with editing, I sort of started doing uh, from scratch. Like I didn't put any kind of like preset or anything on it. Yeah, and would just kind of edit stuff until I felt like it looked right. And this was, you know, more beginning stages when I didn't really know what I was looking for as much. Mm-hmm. It was just experimental. Um, so over time, I've like saved my own, like I have, you know, probably like I have a list of presets that I've made, but I probably use like four of them. Yeah, you know, routinely, almost ex- yeah, you know, routinely. And so I'll usually drop the one of those on to a couple of the images to see how they look. Um, and then that gives me a direction that I want to go in. And 
if I have more of a defined direction, like already. So with that shoot that I did with the drummer, I already knew what I was really going to look for in that shoot mm -hmm. um, because we wanted more of a grungy film kind of yeah. look. So I already knew, you know, that that already took out like a couple of those presets. Sure. And I was like, well, those aren't going to work. So I'll drop those on and really almost like pretty much everything in the preset changes by the yeah. time I drop that on there. Mm -hmm. I go, I go through and I just adjust some colors and stuff to get a general idea. And then I fix everything. You know, I change all of the basic lighting and I'll go in and I'll mess with the tone curve a little bit just mm -hmm. to like build in contrast the way that I, I think is necessary for that specific, you know, shoot. Yeah. Just, I'd say if you're using presets that you like purchased or mm -hmm. that you downloaded and you're in the beginning stages, that's totally fine because it helps you understand how someone edited the way yeah. that they did. And it, I, so when I first started, I got like a like a couple small preset packs yeah. that I was learning on. And I basically used those as a way to deconstruct the edit. Yes. So I went in and looked at the final result. Obviously I pasted it on there, looked at the final result and how they got to that result, took out the bits and pieces from certain stuff that I liked and added and, you know, tried it on my own unedited photo and yep. over you know years that kind of you kind of know what you're looking for at that point you can kind of start building your own presets if you will um i was just saying i know a lot of people use presets and they kind of rely on those and teach their own but i think there is a value in you know learning about whatever look that you might not even yeah. realize you have inside <laughs> you if, as long as you're kind of exploring that those edits um it kind of comes out eventually and you'll see stuff that you're you know, you didn't expect you would make. So totally agree. Do you mess with the HSL slider much? What are your thoughts on like desaturating and saturating certain colors? And then do you go into color grading and affect your shadows, mids and highlights? Um, yeah. So I do a lot of work on the HSL sliders. Okay. I mostly I'll do slight, uh, tone curve work on the RGB tone curves. Yeah. Um, th that's like really, just really small and if I need to make a tiny, tiny little change in one of the colors and tones and whatever in the highlights or shadows or midtones. But a lot of HSL work and I desaturate a fair bit. Honestly, sure. the colors for Canon, they're very especially their oranges are, are very strong. Okay. At least I've found that. Yeah. And so I desaturate my oranges and yellows a bit. Yeah. And I so what I'll do is I'll kind of desaturate everything and add it back in until I think it's good and like, okay, that looks like a, that skin tone works or mm -hmm. that green is, you know, whatever, pun you know, punchy enough, but sure. I desaturate greens kind of a bit. I've been trying to actually bump that up and get them a little more vibrant. Yeah. Um, and I kind of bring my yellows orangey and try to get more of like that burnt orange color. And yeah. I think it just blends with skin tones better. Um, but blues are all over the place. It just depends on what, what the shoot is or, okay. you know, what vibe I'm trying to go for. If it was middle of the day then it's going to be a little bit more of a blue sky, obviously, but I still try to like desaturate that a little bit. I find a lot of blues like in my midtones. Uh, I think that was the last thing you asked about the yeah shadows, highlights, midtones. Do you like, yeah. yeah. Do you um, like to I add colors in or yeah, I don't particularly add, uh, too many. in. I used to do, um, like I said, well, let me, if yeah. I'm going into the RGB tone curves, and I'm taking or adding a little bit of color in that's very like situational. Um, yeah. but I don't typically do that often. And then if I'm, uh, split toning, 
I used to do that all the time for like every photo. Yep. It takes a while. It gets <laughs> super time. It consuming. takes a while. Yeah. And I just found that like, again, yeah, like you said, it takes a while. And I also was like, I don't really like it. It makes my images look kind of muddy. Yep. It's not really what I'm going for. I agree. And then, you know, the more I went on, I, you know, I think that's what you do with editing too, is the more you go on, you were like, Oh, I really like this. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you're like, yeah, I don't like it. Whether it's because it doesn't, doesn't fit your style anymore or because the way you edit is different or you bring colors in or take them out in a different manner. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of start to drop things, but I, I think I could talk all day on this. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> my free zoom account is going to cut off my meeting. So, yeah i feel you <laughs> man but thank you very much for sharing about your business journey and then also a little bit about your process tell folks where we can see your work where we can find you where we can direct message you if we want to awesome yeah um so again thank you for having me yeah. on this was a lot of fun uh, i could nerd out about photography Heck yeah. all day every day yes. uh, my friends are tired of hear me talk yeah, about it. Call me, call me, man. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay, perfect. There we go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, so again, appreciate you having me on. This is super cool. Um, if anybody wants to check out my work, they can find me on Instagram at with Savage. Okay. W-I-T-H-S-A-V-A-G-E. Yep. And my website is chadsavagephoto.com. So yeah, if anybody Good has stuff. any questions or wants to just talk some work, some photography, feel free to message me or send me an email or whatever. I'm all all ears and all open doors. So. Good stuff, man. Thank you, Chad. Cool. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you later. To my side hustling photographers that are listening, if you're ready to reduce the confusion in your photography business while growing your revenue... I invite you to message me about a coaching course I have designed for you. Message me at brian at bnoxphotography.com. The program involves 12 weeks of working with me via phone as I help you get clear on your ambitions, nail down the milestones you'll work towards, and take daily action that will grow your business. Yes, I'll hold you accountable, but I'm also here to encourage and support you. The program is $250 a month for three months, and I'm committed to your success. Email me to find out more at brian at See ya.